she asked me if she didn't survive, would I be willing to help her husband navigate the finances? I said, of course, I would help. And I asked her if she would show me what was going on so that I would be in a better position to understand their landscape because we were really good girlfriends, but we never talked about money. And that never happened, I think, because she was so sick. So that never happened. And she did pass away 4th of July 2018. It was so sad because she was so worried on her deathbed that she hadn't had that conversation with me. That's Mary Beth Simone talking about the experience that made her realize how important it is to put together a contingency plan. That this isn't something that we want to put off for when there is an emergency because that would be too late already. And so in this episode, Mary Beth and I talk about who needs a contingency plan exactly, why we need to have one, that this has nothing to do with age, that no one is quote-unquote too young to have a plan together, and where we should start, like the bare minimum that we should have in place. My name's Lou Blazer. I'm a former management consultant and IT leader turned writer and podcaster and your host. On this show, I talk about life in the middle. But here's one thing you should know about me. I'm not an expert on midlife. I'm on this journey just like you. So together with my guests here on Second Breaks, we're going to explore what it actually takes to navigate midlife, thrive in it, and turn it into the best phase of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Briefing Notes, a digital publication for the over 40 about getting stronger, wiser, and bolder in our midlife. Check it out and subscribe for free at thebriefingnotes.com. Some months ago, Mary Beth asked me a hypothetical. If I were to be stranded somewhere where I didn't have access or I couldn't access my personal documents, how easy would it be for me to instruct a friend or a family member how to find and collect those documents for me? I didn't feel good about my answer, which was, it would be hard. Not exactly impossible, but not easy either. I would have to give a lot of instructions that would likely frustrate the person who I'm asking. Now that's assuming I could actually talk and give instructions during this emergency. What if I couldn't talk? What if I wasn't able to give directions? As Mary Beth pointed out when I talked with her recently about this topic, we make a lot of assumptions about what we will be able to do when something goes wrong, that we'll be able to talk or that we'll be able to read or that we will have enough time to put all the things in order. But as Mary Beth has experienced herself and has seen over and over, this is not always the case. Mary Beth retired a few years ago from her long career in corporate financial services. Since then, she's been helping individuals create contingency plans to empower their second-in-command in business and in life in case of an emergency. 
Her new focus post-retirement came about after a particularly sad experience that happened just before she left her corporate life. It was 2016, and I had planned to retire from my corporate job in 2018, and I wasn't exactly sure what I would do. And at the same time that I'm trying to figure it out, one of my very closest friends, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. In the beginning, the diagnosis uh, or the prognosis was positive. They caught it at an early stage. It was operable. And then within months, it became a more dire situation and the stages of of her situation had advanced to stage four. And she asked me if she didn't survive, would I be willing to help her husband navigate the finances? Because she handled all of the money. She did all of the investing. We both worked for an investment company. She handled all of the technology and her husband didn't use a computer, didn't know anything about the investments. So I said, yes, that I would do it. Plus she had retiree benefits that needed to be navigated and they're, they're good benefits, but the process is really clunky. It's like paperwork, computer processes, all of this. And so I agreed. Yeah. I said, of course I would help. And I asked her if she would show me what was going on so that I would be in a better position to understand uh, their landscape because we were really good girlfriends, but we never talked about money, investing. We talked about everything else, but we didn't talk about money. And that never happened, I think, because she was so sick. That was a step too far to sit down and you know, tell me what was going on, it would be like admitting uh, that it wasn't going to work out. So that never happened. And she did pass away 4th of July 2018. And it was it was so sad, because she was so worried on her deathbed that she hadn't had that conversation with me, like telling me where papers were in the filing cabinet and stuff. It was heartbreaking. And I told her not to worry about it, we'll figure it out. And she passed away. And I spent three months working with her husband intensively, like several hours a week while I was working full time, trying to figure out what was going on, like trying to access her computer, find passwords, um, find accounts. He didn't know if they were online accounts, if, if bills got mailed, none of that. They never talked about it. So I spent three months working with him to get through the bulk of the work, but the entire process took a year. And then through that that process, one day I came home and I was complaining about how challenging it was even working with a company that, that I still worked for to try and help him get her access to her benefits. And I came home one day complaining about it. And my husband said, who is going to help me if you die first? And I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know if there is another person like me who I could direct you to. So that's when I realized that I needed to document everything that I learned through the process. And Uh, So I started putting together a plan, which is now that was the foundation of the contingency plan that I work with clients on now. And so through that, you know, three month process of working with my friend's husband, I realized that all of us could do a better job preparing for 
the inevitable, whether we become sick or incapacitated for a short period of time, you know, and if we manage the finances, we need someone else to be prepared to step in and help us. You know, as you were recalling that story, I was thinking, this is such a common arrangement. I hear this all the time. Oh, I don't take care of that. My wife takes care of that. Oh, I don't take care of that. My husband takes care of that. This is very real. For sure. And there are no gender norms about it. I see it, you know, gender doesn't really play into it. But especially when you're dealing with a couple, couples tend to divide and conquer. And why, why wouldn't they, right? Everybody has their strengths and they, you know, they do the things that they are the most comfortable and the strongest at doing. And often we don't cross pollinate that information, you know? Exactly. But then also, obviously, when you are a single person and you take care of everything and you're like, I remember one time you asked me this question in one of our chats. And I'm like, why? Nobody else knows where to go. <laughs> like, like if I were, and it doesn't have to be that I die, but like if I were incapacitated, I was in the hospital, or for whatever reason cannot access the information myself, I actually wouldn't even know how to direct anyone. Yeah, and that's like, there are so many assumptions that we make about what it will be like when something goes wrong. Like we assume that if we're hospitalized, that we'll be able to speak, that we will be able to remember, that we will be able to read. You know, like if you had a brain injury or something, you know, a serious concussion or like you, we don't know that we'll be able to do all of those things. Like early on in COVID, friends of ours told us a story of their niece who was hospitalized. And we didn't really even know anything about COVID at that time. A young woman with her fiance, they had just bought a home. She managed all of the finances and she was hospitalized and um, in ICU on a breathing tube. She couldn't even tell her fiance where anything was, how to, and he didn't know how to pay the mortgage. Like we make a lot of assumptions about what we'll be able to do. I, I remember we were chatting and you asked me this, like, and it doesn't have to be sick. Like, let's say I was traveling and I got caught somewhere and I have to instruct a family member to grab my passport. I have to say to them, check this or this or this or this, because I, like there isn't, there isn't a one clean um, set of directions that I yeah. could give them you know, to find my social security card or to find my passport or my birth certificate or anything like that. I mean, I know a handful of places for them to check. (laughs) Right. And this is what happens when people start putting their contingency plan together. They spend a few days running around the house, (laughs) checking all of those places to try and pull all of the information together. And they get so frustrated They're like frustrated with themselves. They're frustrated that they're working on this, you know, but it's like, if that's the frustration that we would be asking someone else to experience, you know, because we don't have our, our papers organized. We don't have a plan in place. Yes, absolutely. And then, so there's the, there's the physical paper stuff, right? The birth certificates and the, you know, these documents, 
And then there's the digital world now that we have to take care of. Like, I can imagine the husband of your wife, of your friend, like the passwords for my bank account, the, the, all these things that are now for convenience sake, we are doing online. But then, uh, and then if someone else has to take care of that, how, where do we even begin to give them instructions? And right. we're not supposed to be sharing passwords. Right. And, and how many of us don't even know our own passwords because they're stored <laughs> in the computer, right? right? So if somebody isn't using our computer, there may be no record, no way of accessing because the passwords aren't written down or they're, they don't use something like LastPass. LastPass is a freemium password manager that stores encrypted passwords online. The standard version of LastPass comes with a web interface, but also includes plugins for various web browsers and apps for many smartphones. It also includes support for bookmarklets. Um, yeah, so I finally, on her computer, I found a list that she made that said stuff he needs to know. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> that was like the beginning of the breakthrough. Step back a little bit, Maribeth, and talk about who needs to put together a contingency plan. Because I think that part of the challenge when we're talking about contingency plans or, or anything like this is there's this thing in the back of people's minds that go, you know, that's I don't need to do that yet. I am, you know, I'm not that old to be thinking about that, or I'm not that sick to be thinking about that, or you know, can we talk a little bit about what's been your experience here? So this might be surprising to people. The time to put a contingency plan in place is when you don't need it, when you're healthy and everything is going fine. The same thing goes for that's the time when you should buy insurance, life insurance, long-term care insurance, when you're really healthy and you don't expect to ever need to use it. That's when you should put your estate planning documents together with an attorney, when everything's fine, there's no pressure. And one thing I think that surprises people a lot is that at the age of 18, you know, parents no longer are legally authorized to speak on behalf of their children to make medical decisions for their children. So at the age of 18, it's advisable for parents to coach their young adults on preparing these documents. You know, if somebody has kids, if they have pets, if they own property, they need a will. If a young person wants their parent or someone close to them to be authorized to act on their behalf, then someone needs to have power of attorney. So it starts very early and people get, you know, caught blindsided by not being prepared for that because they think they're not old enough. And when it comes to contingency planning, it's really hard to do when someone is really old or when someone is in the middle of a medical storm. It's not the time. It's Well, there's a certain emotional element that occurs or that accompanies the conversation when you're doing it when someone's ill versus when everything is fine and we're just doing this so that you know yeah. right so there it 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 becomes 
it becomes associated with the situation as opposed yeah. to just something we need to do. And it's challenging even to have these conversations when everything is fine, you know, because your mind as the person who's preparing it, your mind goes to, you know, what are the scenarios? What will someone need? And you have to sit in that place and think about that for a period of time while you're preparing it. And then you need to train someone who you trust, your power of attorney, or what I call your second in command, train them how to be able to navigate all of your affairs. And then that makes it a difficult conversation with them sometimes, you know, because that person has to be in a place of they're accepting your mortality. They're, they're accepting the responsibility and saying, yes, I will be the one to be there to help you. So it's best if you're healthy, you know, and like no problems then. Okay, so by this point, we understand why we need a contingency plan, who needs one, and when's the best time to put it together. Let's start talking about the how. And with that, let's start with a big question about analog and digital. As in, there are parts of our lives that live in digital spaces now, and there are parts of our lives that are in analog. How do we manage these parts and pieces in our contingency plan? And also, when it comes to our contingency plans, is it better to have those in analog or digital format? Here's what Mary Beth has to say. That's the world that we're in now, right? We have both digital and analog. And... So when it comes to uh, managing your digital life from a contingency planning perspective, there are a couple of options. So one is to have a digital password manager where you name someone as a backup, having access to your passwords. If you use that path, then you want to test it to make sure that that works, right? Because at the time that you become unable to do business on your own behalf, you won't really be in a place to be able to authorize someone. So test it out, make sure that that works. And I, I like to make, to print out, you know, all of my online accounts and have them in the contingency plan. So because reviewing a book of your contingency plan with a second in command is much easier than jumping back and forth to the computer, like it's a little more straightforward. But there is overlap there. I mean, where we are printing off materials and putting them in the contingency plan. It's important for like from the password perspective to think about what system works for you for managing passwords and what system works for your second in command. And that may not be the same system. So for me, I have an online password manager, but for my second in command, he needs a paper password book. So I have both. Uh, and a lot of people end up being in that same situation. Now, from the contingency planning perspective, there is a perception that if you could create your contingency plan online, it would be so much simpler. Um, there is a service called Everplans, and it is so it's a digital contingency plan service. And I believe that the security of it is highly vetted because financial uh, planning managers offer this to their clients. 
uh, usually free, you know, because people are paying for financial planning. But they tell me that the biggest hurdle is that their clients never complete it because they never pull together all of the paperwork that needs to be uploaded and scanned uh, into the digital contingency plan. So it's it it is great and it can be great in the right scenarios. Um, but you still to a to a great extent, you still have to pull together all of your paper, your your birth certificate, your marriage certificate, your divorce decree, your vehicle um, titles, your insurance policies, you know, um, and you need to upload them into the... I so, laugh yeah. because I have LastPass. So LastPass is a password management system for the listeners. So um, if you have a premium account, you can also use it for storing uh, digital backups of your information, like your driver's license, like all the stuff, all these paperwork. So I laugh because I haven't done it. Like I have the app, I have this tool that will allow me to do this, uh, but I haven't done it because to your point, it is a matter of photocopying them, uploading them to the thing, and I just have to set aside a time to do it. But there you have it. That's 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 one of the hurdles. But I know that at the very least, I think, or, or, or maybe we can, this is where we can segue into where do we begin. But I would imagine that one of the things that you would say is at the very least, collect them and know where they are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's good. I would probably go a step further. <laughs> okay. All right, so Meribeth, if we are just like have nothing and like me scattered all over the place, well, not all over the place, they're like in one or two or three cabinet drawers here. So I know where they are, generally speaking, but still not, you know, not easy to, you know, that proverbial question, if you were to run out of the house, what would you grab? Yes. I'm going to need a few, like, it's not going to be as quick because there's going to be in several places that I'm going to have to grab. Yes. So where should we begin or how do we begin this thing? So what I recommend is, number one, get your estate planning documents in order. So that's your will, your power of attorney, and your living will or healthcare directive. That is number one. So, and that is not a set it and forget it thing. So you need to review your will every year or so. And I talk to people at least once a week who created a will when their daughter was born and haven't looked at it. And now their daughter's having a baby, that kind of thing. So, you know, or at least in a decade, they created it a decade ago and uh, haven't looked at it. So it's important to pull out the will, read it and refresh it and and review it every year to keep it um, so that you know that it's up to date. So get your legal documents in order. The next thing is to identify your second in command or the person who you would uh, ask to be your power of attorney. So this is the person who you are asking to agree to step in for you in an emergency and that you want to train on how you keep things running in your life in case something happens to you. 
identify that person, do some brainstorming, make sure that you can trust them 100% with your passwords, your financial information, you know, all of your personal information that you typically don't share. Make sure that they are uh, skilled at doing difficult things because conceivably it will be an emotional situation and they will need to take care of business. So it needs to be somebody who is talented in that way and someone who does not shy away from paperwork. So that's, that's not for everybody. So that's the second thing is brainstorm who that could be and maybe you want a primary and a backup. And then the third thing is to come up with an easy password management system that works for you and your backup. Uh, and so, like I said, that's either it may be online and in paper. Uh, you have to decide whether they're capable of accessing your passwords through an online service or if they need them written down. So that's the best way to get started. And then the next thing I would do is invest in a fire and waterproof safe for your home. And that's where you can put all of your important documents so that if you do need to leave quickly for some reason, you know the one place that you need to go to get all of those documents. At the very least, that's what I need to do, seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not that hard. I On my website, I have like my client's favorite safe. It's on Amazon. It's not that expensive. You can get mm -hmm. it delivered and, you know, have it up and running quickly. There you go. And what do you normally advise people to, to, to place in that fireproof thing? So I work with people to create their contingency plan in a, in a paper process. So it's in binders. So we put all of the important information for everything that we've discussed so far and more into those binders and then store the binders in the safe. So when you were talking about your second in command and um, ideally who this person is, which to me means that uh, it may not be your spouse. That's right. A lot of people think, oh, it'll be my oldest child or my spouse. And, you know, when you really think through it, they may not have the temperament for it. Like if my husband doesn't accept my mortality, mm -hmm. then I cannot ask him to be my second in command because he's he's not going to be able to handle it. I remember when my father passed away, there were several members of the family who would not have been emotionally equipped to deal with all the paperwork and all the all the stuff that needed to happen um, to close his practice, to move his practice, to all those stuff. And so that's a consideration when we're thinking about our second in command. And I know my mom was like, thank God that I have kids because she would not have been able to take care of it. Yeah. I mean, it's so challenging to go through that process and be grieving at the same time. Uh, so it's really, I mean, it's a tall order to ask that person to do what you need done. 
Mm-hmm. I think that this is actually a very relevant conversation. And we all know the midlife people, we are the sandwich generation because we're taking care of ourselves, we're taking care of our kids, and we're taking care of our parents. So so it's, it's, it's a very important that we think about contingency plan from the perspective of my parents' contingency plan and my contingency plan and my kids. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I do have a lot of people who come to me because they want to create a contingency plan for and with their parents, and they don't know how to do it, but they know that it's in their best interest because they're the ones who are going to be stuck figuring it out mm-hmm. if they don't have the conversations while their parents are well. In your experience, Mary, how long would you advise someone to like set aside time to do this? Yeah, so that's a great question. When, when I work with people, it takes... 30 days, I usually ask them to allocate 30 days, and at least 12 hours. So three hours a week for four weeks, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're doing paperwork, and looking for documents, it can it can get old very quickly. But I advise anyone who who is ready to work on this to set a time frame because It's the lack of having a deadline that makes people not complete their free contingency plans, like with LastPass or even with Everplans, I think, has a free version as well. But when there's no urgency around it, people get bored with the process and don't complete it. (laughs) I can totally relate. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, So you mentioned you have some resources on your website. Mary Beth, can you tell us where we can find you online and all the good stuff that we could find wherever we can find you online? I'm most active on LinkedIn. So just send me a message and let me know that you heard me on Second Breaks, and I would be happy to connect with you there. And my website is nichepartnershipconsulting.net. And I have a free starter kit contingency plan for your listeners available on my website. So that's nichepartnershipconsulting.net slash kit. And it has a medical information form for them to download and use for themselves. And I invite you to use it for anyone in your family who you need to keep track of their medical history. Uh, It has information to create your own password book, the one that I create for my clients. And then it has a 12 question checklist that helps you get started creating your contingency plan. That is awesome. Okay, so I'm gonna put a link to all of those on the show notes. The mantra that I sing on second breaks and everything that I do is celebrate midlife. And I was wondering, like when I mentioned that phrase to you and you hear that phrase, kind of what, what do you think about? What comes to your mind? When I think about Celebrate Midlife, I think that it is a series of choices that you've made throughout your life that allow you to celebrate at the point that you get to midlife. Um, So because of making investments in our health and in our future, uh, that that is what allows us to be able to celebrate midlife. One of the things that I did to celebrate my midlife is when I retired from corporate in 2018, I uh, became a certified Les Mills body flow instructor. And I have never been 
an athlete before. I've always worked out, but I always imagined that I would become a yoga instructor. And then this opportunity presented itself. And I went through the process and I was the oldest one getting certified at the time. And I was so proud of myself. And I just, I love it. I love doing it still. I, I don't teach anymore, but I am still a certified teacher. But I just, I love that I did that. At 20, I was nervous about what the future would hold and how I would manage if I would be successful in life. Today, I couldn't be more thrilled with the way that my life has worked out. And I am really happy with the choices that I made in terms of my career. So working in corporate for so long allowed me to be able to jump off and have this second act as an entrepreneur, which is probably the most enjoyable thing I've done so far in my life. Okay, Mary Beth has convinced me. Are you convinced yet? Here's the thing. I believe that putting together a contingency plan is a kindness to our future selves and to the person who will inevitably bear the responsibility for doing the things that we ourselves are not going to be able to do. I hope you found this episode as insightful and helpful as I did. As always, you can find all the links and highlights of this episode on the show notes, which you'll find at secondbreaks.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, please share it with your friends. I would be so grateful if you did that. Tell them about this specific episode, uh, what you learned from Mary Beth and preparing contingency plans, or tell them about the podcast. You spreading the word about the show helps tremendously in growing our community of thriving midlifers. Speaking of thriving midlifers, in our next episode, I'm going to be joined by Sean Fink, the host of The Brave Yes Show. Sean and I are going to be talking about this idea of coming home to ourselves, a journey to our wholeness, as she calls it. And I think this topic will resonate so much with many, many of us midlifers. So I don't want you to miss that episode and actually any of the future episodes for that matter. So now is a good time to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever app it is that you're using right now to listen to this episode. But if you happen to be listening to this on the website, right around an audio player, you're going to find some options for podcast apps as well. But the usual suspects, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, you'll find Second Breaks in all those places. Okie dokie, I'll be back in a couple weeks with Sean Fink. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans. Cool beans.